Good morning, Hope in Christ. Y'all, a good-looking crowd this morning. Everybody smile on the count of three. One, two, three. There you go. That makes it a whole lot easier to preach to. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke. We are actually in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. This happens to be the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ. Uh, you know, since Tuesday when all of the destruction struck Middle Tennessee, I know all of our hearts have been heavy. I know we've been really concerned for folks and uh, lots of prayers have gone up, lots of volunteer hours, a lot of financial giving, uh, just Every which way imaginable to man, our community has come together to support these folks who've gone through the most difficult time of their life and hopefully the most difficult time they'll ever face in their life. And as a pastor, as a preacher, you begin to think, what, what should I stand and say to the people on Sunday? And um, as we're going through the book of Luke, here we are in Luke chapter 2. And it came to me midweek, we need to just stay on track because the best thing that I could preach today to you folks that are here in the room with us and those watching by Facebook and YouTube and the other media outlets, the most wonderful, most effective, comforting thing that I could possibly preach today is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we're, our congregation's named after him on purpose. You all know that, don't you? Hope in Christ fellowship and and we want to we want to be that we want to live that out we want to share that with a lost and dying world we want to be effective right here in this room we want to be effective amongst our own people we we want to be effective in monterey and cookville the upper cumberland and around the world we want to tell folks that hey god loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him listen will never perish now, there's no, there's no exception clause built into that. If you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you will never perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Today, we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is the most epic event that has ever happened in human history. I would say closely tied to his death, burial, and his resurrection. But in order for him to die for our sins, in order for the incarnation to take place, he first had to be born, didn't he? He first had to be born. And just as we just saw in the video, his birth was so epic that it split time in half. Whether you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ or not, you have to admit that this man Jesus had to be somebody in order to take time and split it in half. Can I get an amen? Now, we know as believers, we know as Christians, he is much more than just a man. He is much more than just a prophet. He is the only begotten Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. As I've mentioned in earlier messages about this portion of Scripture that we're sharing with today, Jesus was born to a poor, uh, unmarried Jewish couple, by the name of Joseph and Mary in a village called Bethlehem. I kind of feel silly saying these things. They're, they're so basic, aren't they? 
They're so elementary. But if you begin to talk to young people like Eli sitting over here, you, 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 you go interview the children in Faith Factory this morning. Uh, go to an elementary school with permission, with a pass, with all the credentials it takes, and you safely go interview elementary school children, and you begin to ask them, who is Jesus? And a lot of children will tell you, I don't know. Now, I grew up here in Tennessee, you know, going to church at Columbia Hill Baptist Church. I was raised in a deacon's home where mom and dad taught us the Bible from nine months prior to birth, you understand. I tell everybody I was a drug baby. Yeah, mom and dad drug us to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every revival, every homecoming, every vacation Bible school. We was drugged to church. You know what? I'm thankful for parents who drug me to church. Because dragging me to church taught me about Jesus. And when I was age 10 year old at vacation Bible school, the Holy Spirit visited me in a very powerful way. And he drew me to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And I've been saved ever since. And guess what? I'm going to stay saved till I get to glory. But the generation of children in our culture today, right here in the Bible Belt, are so illiterate when it comes to the Word of God. I would just imagine that every child in America would know who Jesus is, but very few do. Not only children, but adults. So when I make common phrases, when I, when I speak common words about the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when I make elementary statements about it, it saddens my heart that I have to, but we have to continue to tell the whole story of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, was conceived in his mother's womb by the creative power of the Holy Spirit of God. Just like God said, let there be light, God said, let there be Jesus in Mary's womb, and Jesus was conceived. Do you believe that today? And although the details, although the details of the news caught Mary and Joseph by surprise because they never expected in their wildest dreams that they would be chosen of God. I'm sure Mary, in none of life experiences, she never dreamed, she never thought, she never imagined, hey, you know what? God's going to choose me to carry his son Jesus Christ and give birth to him. Never. Joseph never imagined that he would be the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ, but God chose them. So the details of this news caught them by surprise, but they knew that the Messiah was coming. Jesus had been prophesied from the beginning of time, from Genesis 3 forward, the Lord Jesus Christ had been promised as our Redeemer, hadn't he? Let's turn together in Luke chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 7 together. Let's stand this morning as we read these seven verses. Now last Sunday night, we, we kind of did a biography on John the Baptist because in the preceding verses we learned who John the Baptist was. This morning we're not going to do a biography of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are going to talk in detail about his birth. We're going to talk about the prophecy of his birth. We're going to talk about how that he came about. We're going to talk about what the Old Testament said about him. And, and we're going to talk about what happened after he was actually born, where he was born, when he was born. 
and, and all the pursuits to kill him and do away with him, even from his birth. We're going to cover a lot of ground this morning, but if you'll sit tight, we'll get through it just as quickly as we can. Amen? Now remember, remember, when I'm preaching and you shout amen, what you're telling me is, I've got it, move on, preacher. So we'll be here just as long as you want to be here. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Verse 7 says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, again we ask for your help today. I have nothing to say, but you have much to say. And God, we, speak, we pray that you'll continue to speak to us through your word this morning, through the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And again, would you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and Father, give us hearts to obey. God, you be glorified in all that is said and done here today, and we know that your word is already promised that it will never return void. It will accomplish all that you've sent it out to accomplish and we pray all this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Have a seat. Pull out your listening guides, if you will, this morning. And follow along and fill in the blank, if you will. First thing I want you to notice this morning is this. Jesus Christ's birth was prophesied in the Old Testament. As I said a moment ago, uh, Jesus has been being prophesied about coming to earth from Genesis chapter 3, but more specifically in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, we see that the prophecy of a ruler. We see that Isaiah begins to tell us that uh, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is born. To us is given. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We could spend days, if not weeks, just unpacking those names right there, couldn't we? We could talk about the ruler, and we know that Jesus taught us repeatedly while he was here on planet Earth that his kingdom was not of this world at the moment, but that his kingdom was the kingdom of heaven. Yes, he is a ruler. He's been a ruler from eternity past. He'll continue to rule through eternity future. But it says here that a child will be born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Not only was Jesus' birth prophesied to us in the Old Testament, 
Not only did Isaiah prophesy that he would come as a ruler, but we also find out that there was a prophecy that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Jesus would be born of a virgin. Why did Jesus need to be born of a virgin? Because he is the only begotten, finish it up for me, of Son of God, Son of God. Now Jesus, I mean Joseph, Joseph took him and loved him and raised him as his own. But we need to declare today that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Do you believe that today? I believe that today, don't you? The prophecy of a virgin's son. Again, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And what a sign he gave. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You all are Bible believers. You are Bible readers. What does that name Emmanuel mean? God with us. The angel told them, you shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Not only did they tell us that he was coming, not only did they say that he would be a ruler, not only did they say he would be born of a virgin, but there was a prophecy concerning his very birthplace. Now, I had a conversation this week with a young man. And I know that uh, especially the younger generation this day, they have a lot of doubts when it comes to the Word of God. Now call me old-fashioned. Call me ignorant. Call me simple. Call me anything you want. But I'm a Bible believer. I believe the Word of God. I believe the Word of God from from the index to the mouse, don't you? I believe the Word of God. I believe what the Word of God teaches. And I believe the Word of God teaches that God is a sovereign God. I believe God is an all-knowing God. I believe God is an all-powerful God. I believe God has all of time figured out. I believe God knows that sparrows, even though you can buy two for a penny, when one of them dies, it falls to the ground. I believe God knows when when that sparrow was conceived. I believe God knew what color egg that thing would be inside of. I believe God knows when when that bird would hatch. I believe that God knew what kind of nest it would live in, how many worms it would eat, and where it would fly and where it would go for all of eternity. And God knows when it will die and where it will end on the ground. I believe God knows all things. Do you believe God knows all things this morning? I believe God knew that Adam and Eve was going to blow it in the Garden of Eden. And I believe God already had a plan in place to save us from our sins. And I believe God had this spelled out to the very detail, even the prophecy concerning where he would be born. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But you... O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. In other words, the little town of Bethlehem, the little nowhere place of no significance. Now we've studied this and studied this in Luke's gospel. Even Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were not well-known people. They were not wealthy people. They were a barren older couple. He happened to be a priest. 
But Mary and Joseph, they too were poor. They were, they were nobodies just like me. They were just nobodies. They were just living life and serving God and living for Him. And they were blameless, the Bible teaches us. And they're, they're living under the law, according to the law. And they're just living life. And God chooses the very common to bring about what has never, ever, or ever will be common. Royalty of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this scripture, O Bethlehem, who, who, who is too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. In other words, from eternity past. This has been planned out. And I believe God chose on purpose this little nobody couple to bless, to be the mother and the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ, demonstrating that Jesus was coming to save anybody that would call upon his name. You don't have to be a somebody. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to uh, have a lot of money. You don't have to have a high education. You don't have to live in a certain community. You don't have to live in a certain dollar amount of house and have a 401k and have degrees after your name and all these things. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Matthew's gospel, we're taught that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's very important. It's very doctrinally important that we know and believe that Jesus Christ, real Father, is God on the throne in heaven. And that Jesus is conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit and that he is born of a virgin. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they had sexual relations, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, But as he considered these things, as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Luke's gospel agrees in chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? I'm a virgin. God, this is impossible. I can't be with child. Humanly, physically impossible. I cannot be pregnant. But when God says you're pregnant, guess what? You're pregnant. And when God says you're going to carry the one and only begotten Son of God, guess who you're going to carry to full term? He's going to be born healthy, even if he's born in a cattle stall. It's going to go as God has planned, isn't it? And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? But the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called the Son of God. Now that's all wonderful news. That's great news. But folks, some of the greatest news is this right here. It's the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to understand the magnitude of this. This word incarnation means the act of being made flesh. 
the act of being made flesh. It comes from the Latin version of John chapter 114, which in the English reads, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, not only does this demonstrate God's love for us, but this is the practical side of Jesus having to be born as a human being. The purpose of the incarnation was for the Son of God to come in the flesh to become the Savior of mankind. First, it was necessary for him to be born under the law. He had to be born into the time that the law was being practiced. Why? Because the law is the schoolmaster that shows us that we're sinners before God. Not only that are we sinners before God, but we are helpless sinners before God. We could do nothing under the law to be right with God. Someone had to come and be sinless and live sinless and die as a sacrifice for the sins for the sinners. Therefore, God loved us so much that He became one of us. That's the incarnation. He had to be born under the law. Galatians 4, 4 teaches that. Why? Because all of us, say me, all of us, all of us have failed to fulfill God's law. The Bible teaches us this. If we have failed in any, any situation, if we have broken any law of the Word of God, guess what you're guilty of? You're guilty of breaking the entire law. Well, Brother Steve, my greatest sin was a little white lie. Well, then you're a murderer, you're an adulterer, you're a thief, you're, you're the most horrific sinner on planet Earth, and so am I. Why? Because I'm a lawbreaker. I'm a lawbreaker. And guess what happens to lawbreakers? For the wages of sin is death. We're not talking about just the first death. We're talking about the first death, the physical death, but we're also talking about the second death when you're cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Lawbreakers are helpless, hopeless people on a pathway to hell. But God had determined from the foundation of the world that He had a plan to redeem us to Himself. And that plan, His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, what you're guilty of. If through the preaching, if through the presentation, if through the sharing, if through the reading or the hearing of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and begins to draw you to Himself, God can and will regenerate you. He will give you faith and repentance as grace gifts. And God will allow you to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. The Bible says this, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's the greatest news that Putnam County could hear today. That's the greatest news that Cookville or Benton County or East Nashville could hear today. It's the greatest news anybody on this planet could hear today is Jesus saves from sin. Believe upon Him. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Christ came in the flesh under the law to fulfill the law on our behalf. Jesus did what none of us could ever possibly do. Second, it was necessary for the, sa for the Savior to shed His blood for the forgiveness of sins. 9.22. Hebrews 9.22 teaches us this. The Bible says this, that Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. 
And not just any blood. It has to be perfect blood. It has to be pure blood. It has to be blood of a man that has never sinned before. It has to be a spotless lamb. And Jesus was that spotless lamb. A blood sacrifice, of course, requires what? A blood sacrifice requires a body of flesh and blood. When Jesus was in glory, he didn't have a physical body. He didn't have blood running through his veins. So in order to be that sacrifice, Jesus had to come to earth, take on the robe of flesh, and live as we did in order to die in our place. Without the incarnation, Jesus couldn't die for sinners, and the cross would have been absolutely meaningless. God did an incredible work. God did a work only he could do. And sending Jesus, His only begotten Son, into the world and provide for us salvation which none of us deserved. I don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve salvation. That's what makes salvation so priceless. It's what we don't deserve. Mary and Joseph didn't deserve to be the parents of Jesus, but God chose them and called them. We don't deserve salvation, but God chose us and God called us. That should cause us to humble ourselves on a day-to-day basis and live in praise 24 hours a day. I don't deserve it, but God graced me with it. We've been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, on God's timetable, when God said so, when God had predetermined, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Romans 8, 3. Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law Weakened by our flesh. I put that word our in there because it's our flesh. Weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that so that you by his poverty might become rich. Macy, if you will, let's go to the circumstances of Jesus' birth. The circumstances of Jesus' birth. What we learn here is this, an angel. We've read that scripture, but we see that an angel informs Mary that she is to be the mother of the Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38 In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. I imagine she was. And she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, the child that will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this it was in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What does Mary do upon receiving this news? Mary begins to praise God. Mary responds in praise in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant before. Behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has broken down the mighty. He has, broke, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant. Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Then the angel explained to Joseph why Mary's baby is so special. I think Joseph deserved a little bit of explanation, don't you? And explains it to us as well. Listen as we read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Aren't you thankful for that today, church? You'll call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Aren't you thrilled today that even as Gabriel visited Zechariah and Elizabeth, they said, name him John. Why? Because God said so. The name John meant the grace of God 
is being given. The grace of God is being delivered. Take note of it. All the neighbors and everybody else say, why are you going to name the boy John? You don't have any Johns in your family. Name him Zachariah Jr. They said, no, sir. No, sir. The angel said, God said, name him John. Mary and Joseph doesn't squabble over a name either. Why? Because they love God and they obey God and they live according to God. And when God said, name him Jesus, that settled it, didn't it? That settled it. No greater name than Jesus could be given for he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, let's move along and see that Jesus is finally born. Jesus is finally born. The birth of Jesus takes place. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 7, our original scripture that we read. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Verse 7 says, And she gave birth to her son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, unlike Jesus, when he was here, when he would perform a miracle, he'd say, Shh, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody. My time is not yet arrived, has not come but guess what happens when Jesus is born? Mary and Joseph don't run across the hillside announcing that Jesus has been born. But guess what God does? God announces the birth of Jesus Christ through the angels. God sends angels from heaven to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. To who? To the people living in the penthouse on the top floor. The most wealthy people in Bethlehem, right? Is that who he went to? The guys who have the stock market figured out, the wealthy, the ones driving the Rolls Royce Camel edition, you know, is that who? No. Who did God send the angels first to announce the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? A bunch of smelly, poor, broke, uneducated, no good for nothing shepherds. Why did he start there? Because Jesus came to save his people, his people from their sins. From the poorest to the wealthiest. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I just got a chill. Feels like Christmas time, don't it? I just started seeing it snow outside for some reason. I've, I've rarely ever read these scriptures apart from Christmas time. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, and the angel said to them, I feel like a cheesy Christmas play on TV. My clicker is about to go sailing through the air. I, I, I'll click this. Is it, is it glitching for you? I'll click it, and it'll go where I want, and it'll bounce back. If I didn't know any better, I think Macy's pulling one on me. But she loves me more than that. She's back there helping me. Macy, I'm laying this down, sister. It's all on you from now on because me and that thing's fixing to go round and round together. Where are we at? And the angel said to them, 
Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. A Savior who is who? Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They get front row seats. VIP lounge, okay? Amen. And they went with haste. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told of them concerning this child. Verse 18, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Exactly the way the angels delivered the message is exactly how they found the baby in Bethlehem, wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. Why? Because God is orchestrating all of this. Can we trust God in life, church? In the good times? In the bad times? In times of devastation? In times when we have more questions than we have answers? Can we trust Him? We can trust Him, can't we? There's an old saying says the devil's in the details. That's a lie from the devil. God's in the details. God's in the details. We love Him. We trust Him. Not only did the angels announce the birth of Jesus Christ, but the Magi searched for Jesus' birthplace. And guess what? Herod wants to kill Him. Jesus is just an infant. And they're already trying to kill him. Already trying to kill him. These events could have taken place at any time in Jesus' first two years. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled with all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he said to them, Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. I don't think so. Bring word to me so that I can have him killed. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. You can't outsmart God. When God has a plan, know this, God's plan will be carried out to godly perfection. Then was fulfilled what was spoken of the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Jesus Christ came into this world to save people from their sins. As we just read here, there was no room for them in Bethlehem, was there? There was no room for Jesus. Therefore, Mary and Joseph was forced to retreat to a cattle stall and the Son of God to be born and laid in a feed trough. When news had spread that he had been born, the king wanted to kill him. Eventually, some 30 years later, guess what? Jesus did lose his life, but the Bible teaches us that they didn't take his life. He came to fulfill his mission on planet Earth. He laid down his life so that you and I could have eternal life. My question to you today is this. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? What are you doing with Jesus? Are you loving him supremely? Have you allowed him to come into your heart and sit on the throne of your being as Lord and Savior? Are you allowing him to direct the daily affairs of your life? Adrian Rogers said it best. He is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Most importantly, have you invited him into your heart to be your Savior? Jesus said in John's Gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father Except through me. As I mentioned just a few moments ago, let me share just a couple of scriptures with you and we'll be done. 
Jesus had to leave the splendors of heaven to come to earth, become flesh, so that he could die and shed his blood to save you and to save me from our sins. And the Bible says, for all have sinned. The best person on earth has sinned. The worst person on earth has sinned. I don't boast, I don't brag in this, but from time to time, I still sin. Don't you? And the price tag attached to those sins is death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life. For while you and I were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. You know, the message that I'm preaching to you today is not a political message. The message I'm preaching to you today is a very surreal message, a very serious message. It's a message of hope. It's not about who's going to win or lose an election or win or lose this or that or the other thing. It's about where are you going to spend eternity? The best news I can share with you today is this. Regardless of what happens here on planet Earth, Every single one of us, every single person that has ever drawn a breath on planet Earth is going to stand before God one day, and we're going to be judged. And our only hope is that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life is for us to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So again, my question is this, what have you done thus far in life with Jesus. Let's bow our head and close our eyes this morning. Father, we've been obedient to you. We've preached your word today. We've preached truth. And not through any power that I possess or have or could possibly demonstrate, but through the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, I know that your word has went forth and it has accomplished what you set it out to do. God, I pray right now as you're dealing with hearts, lost hearts, troubled hearts, hearts that have many questions and hearts that have lots of hurt, a lot of disappointment. But I pray right now, I pray right now, Father, folks in this room, folks watching through the various media outlets that you bless us to broadcast through, that dead hearts right now would be awakened. And as those dead hearts are awakened, you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Here is the Holy Spirit woos them to you this morning for salvation, for forgiveness, and eternal life. God, we invite you, not that we need to, but we invite you now to do as only you can do, Father. And it's in your great name we ask and pray. Amen.